Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every week me and Miss Boo go back and forth talking about movies, discussing movies, any kind of movies, really. We ain't picky. Miss Boo, how are you? I'm okay, but did you kind of turn into a speaking spell at the beginning? I don't know what you mean, Boo. Okay, that's enough Star Trek for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um... Boo, this week is our first week of March. It is our first week of March. And we finally got out of the uh, February holiday thingy theme we kind of sort of went on. Yeah, you know, the romantic month of February, and we're now transitioning into March, which is, you know, the month of St. Patrick's. So St. Patty's Day. So do you celebrate that, or...? Yes, I'm very Irish. I know, but what do you do to celebrate? Or do you want to save that for our St. Patty's episode? Yeah, I'll save it till St. Patty's okay. episode, you know, to tell everybody my drinking habits and describe a proper sesh to the audience. Look, there's there's a thing called a sesh when you have a couple of drinks. It, it It's a very detailed, meticulous process, but it'll come up. Right, right. But this week, we're not watching a uh, movie about St. Patrick's Day. We're watching a movie about a guy that is not irish maybe irish he's irish is he irish he's irish all right and uh his band boo why don't you tell people about this uh guy who's kind of sort of irish and uh, has a band this week we are watching the doors which is celebrating its 30th anniversary which is kind of weird right the movie's 30 years old well, I mean, that's how time works. Things age. Well, yeah, but I mean, I, we watched the movie, and I, for some ungodly reason, I thought, oh, The Doors? I thought that came out in, like, 98, 99. I thought it was, I came out way later in time, kind of thing. No, you weren't around for this when it first came out. Ah, were you? Just barely. Just barely. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Uh, so, yeah, we're watching The Doors this week. So, Boo, where do you want to get started? You want to jump in anywhere? Any Talk questions? Because about... I know you love to hit me with the questions. I do love hitting you with a question. Biggest question out of the gate uh, is, man, this movie, if it is accurate, um, Jim Morrison is kind of a prick. Uh, am I missing the question? Is this movie accurate? No. Not not even a little bit? No. I, I mean, I, from my research, I've seen that there are some factual things in the movie, but it's not completely accurate. Ray Manzarek from the band refused to be part of this movie mm. as a consultant, and he was just like, you know, this is utter bullshit. You know, this is not how things happened. So you kind of have to, have to take this movie with a grain of salt. It's more of a kind of like having fun kind of film it's, it's even though there's like some dark things that happen in this movie but it, it's more like there it's an approximation of what happened a very artistically um skewed approximation of what happened yeah. right in in terms of artistic license this movie takes a lot of them yeah yeah so i guess for people who haven't seen the movie uh, and don't know who jim morrison and the doors are uh the doors is a very 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 famous band oh yeah of uh, coming out of like the 1960s 70s or, or were they just in the 70s no, no they, he, they, were, they were 60s and they 70s. Were, yeah they were the 60s and the 70s uh jim morrison was the front man the lead singer song songwriter he i know he wrote most of the songs or most of the lyrics i don't know how much how many like instrumentations he actually wrote yeah he was a poet so a lot of the music was his work but collectively as a band they did come up with the songs so yeah it, it was a contribution it just wasn't you know jim wrote it uh ray did all of this it it was really it's not a group like effort. it's not like the beatles where it's like paul and john did all the work and then ringo chimed in every once in a while and george harrison was like yo guys like save some room on the album for the rest of us yeah yeah but yeah and it's um basically the run of jim morrison's life from when he's a young child to the very end yeah well i mean we see him as a young child like very briefly most of it is like when he drops out of ucla film school and then and then until he dies right and yeah. i don't know the the time frame of that i don't that's got to be what like maybe nine years 
ish between UCLA and his death. Yeah, because he di- he's part of the twenty seven club, right? He died yeah. at twenty seven. Yeah, he died at twenty seven. I'm actually not too sure what the timeline is or the time frame is from UCLA to his death. Yeah, I granted it's it's basically the entire formation and run of the doors is yeah. basically this movie. Um, and it's it's interesting. And the reason I said Jim Morrison is in portrayed in this movie, I do not know. I never knew him personally. Unsurprising to anyone. But, like, in the movie, how Jim Morrison acts a lot of the time is... Yeah, basically, that is like a total prick. He's, like, really obnoxious. He's, like, basically either drunk or high 24-7 and he's just like he seems like the kind of guy you wouldn't trust like you wouldn't trust him to give you back your pencil if you in class like he just seems like so like flaky and weird is that in the movie like in real life i have no way yeah the same for me i have no way of knowing this because i never met the man didn't come till many many years later so i missed that boat of you know meeting one of the greatest people in rock and roll history but from research, I've read, you know, that he was actually a very nice guy when he was sober. Mm-hmm. But once he was either, you know, drunk or stoned, then that's when, you know, there were some issues. But that happens for a lot of people that are under the influence. You know, mm-hmm. some can hold their own. Others, they just kind of go batshit crazy. So Jim was definitely in the going batshit crazy yeah, line. And it was also the 60s. So there was a lot of experimentation with alcohol and drugs there were so many new things coming out so it, it's believable that he could have been you know this manic yeah yeah and it it is interesting granted i'm i'm saying this and like oh in the movie he's like this like that um the person who's portraying jim morrison in the film is val kilmer and yeah he is the best part of this movie oh yeah definitely it, it, like legitimately um yeah like Val Kilmer is probably the closest we're ever going to get to having Jim Morrison, like, come back to life in this movie. Oh, yeah. He is incredible in this film. And, I mean, he went, you know, super method acting for this movie before they even started to shoot it. For, like, a year, he wore Jim's clothes and went to his hangouts and kind of really tried to be Jim. I hear he had to get, um, he had to see a therapist afterwards because he he went too method and he couldn't stop doing, like, the weird mannerism stuff. Well, from what I was hearing was that he went so method, he couldn't get Jim out of his head. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, that's kind of scary. That's something you'd see in a movie. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, good on him that he went and he got some help. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, you don't want to be stuck like that for however long. Just, you know, like, two, let... person- two personalities going on in there. I mean, let's be honest here. Like, you probably wouldn't want to be Jim Morrison because, look... Um, sorry to spoil everyone's view of the uh, of the the rock god that is Jim Morrison, but that guy was not gonna age well. He he the way that he partied and drank, hard. yeah, it was gonna be uh, it was gonna be rough. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where um, I remember I watched a documentary about the Who, another famous famous yeah. rock and roll band from the from the same era, and it's I think it's what Peter Daltrey said about. Keith Moon, because Keith Moon, he died really young. Yeah. He died, like, either... it He's either part of the 27 Club, or he died, like, around 30 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he basically said, he's like, yeah, I'm really sad to see him go, but there's not... He was not gonna be a, a very happy, elderly man. Yeah. You know, he, he partied super hard, uh, indulged in as much of life as you possibly could, being that famous. Yeah, yeah, you... You're going to put some mileage on you. You're not going to be like Keith Richards where, you know, when somebody smokes a cigarette, you give 60 <laughs> seconds of your life to Keith Richards. Yeah. Man will live forever. Oh, definitely. But yeah. But that's a lot of people in the 27 Club. It's like, you know, they left way too soon, but the way that they lived life, you really couldn't see them getting old. Yeah. It's one of those things where you, like, could you imagine what Jim Morrison would be at like if he was alive today? He would, because if he was alive today, he'd be at least in his 70s. Probably older. Yeah. Like, he, he probably would have been out there. Yeah. Yeah. But that's besides the point. Let's, that's enough about Jim Morrison, the man, the myth, the legend. Let's talk about the movie a little bit. 
because even though the movie's called The Doors, we do focus a lot on Jim in the movie. This movie isn't. This movie should not have been called The Doors. It should have just been called Jim of the Doors. In the door of of the door should have been like the tiniest of of fonts because this movie is all Jim Morrison. Legitimately, I don't think they tell us all the names of the other band members. I know one of them gets the introduction. That's the um the gentleman who is from Twin Peaks, the main actor. Kyle MacLachlan. Kyle MacLachlan. Who plays yes. Ray Manzarek. Yeah. Oh, we have Robbie Krieger who plays the guitar. So we do. You know, he's also the one that wrote "Light My Fire." Yeah. And he was a consultant on the film, so he made sure that they put in that scene to show that, you know, hey, Jim didn't write this, I wrote it. And, you know, he kind of threw in a couple of, you know, lines like, you know, funeral pyre. So it's it's one of those things where he's like, look, guys, Jim was good, but he didn't play any instruments. I played the instruments. Yeah. Okay. I, I actually don't know if Jim Morrison played any musical instruments because I know he was like he did the singing and all that stuff. I have no idea the length of his like musical like abilities. No, I think it was just singing because I think he really kind of just fell into the whole band thing because he was you know more of a writer, a poet, and just one day it kind of just clicked all together and you know <laughs> this super band called The Doors, you know, arrived. That, that feeling when you're just like, yeah, I'm going to drop out of, out of film school. I'm going to just get a couple of guys together. We're just going to jam at this, like, local club, you know. It open mic night. And then, like, a year later, you're, like, touring the world. Like, I mean, doesn't that sound pretty star. cool? It's so weird, though, because that is the story of, like, 90% of these, like, meteoric success stories. Okay, so we brought up that he went to UCLA, and he went there for film school. Yeah. And in the beginning of the movie, we see one of his films and how the class is kind of torn. Most of them are just not vibing with it, and Ray Manzarek is telling him, you know, this is genius, it's great. So, as a former film student, have you seen any student videos like that? Oh, yeah, and they're all trash. Like, look, I'm gonna, I don't want to ruin anybody's image of film school, but... Yes, there are people who are that pretentious and put in weird, like, I'm going to stare at the camera in black, grainy black and white, and I'm going to talk about, like, death and life and shit. I'm going to put it in your face, man, but in poetry. Yeah, no, fuck those people. Those people can't make movies. They're just, they're just, they're, they're pretentious people who just don't want to work at Walmart for the rest of their lives. I mean, you sitting in front of a camera, just rambling, that sounds like something that you'd be really for. That's something we're doing right now. But we're not on camera. We're just recording. Yeah, yeah. We're pretty close. But yeah, like, I'll put it to you like this. The movies that Jim Morrison made were very much the experimental avant-garde stuff of the time. Yeah. But, like, yeah. It, it Because it's Jim Morrison and I know he, you know, was a deeper thinker, you know, poet, you know, philosopher kind of ideology. Yeah. Yeah, there's probably something about it. But in 2020, if somebody showed that in a classroom now, like, I'm going to be real with you. Half the kids would just be on their phone the whole time, and the other half would be like, can this please be over? They're, yeah. I mean, I've sat through a few critiques with you, and yeah, they take forever to screen through the student films. It's just like, my God, can we please get out of here? And it's like, you got to watch every last one, rate them. It's just, oh. And I, I can imagine for the 60s when this is happening and it's all, almost all experimental, that must have been a really rough go in class. Oh, yeah. Well, granted, that back then it was, um, remember, this is in the 60s. We hadn't even had Taxi Driver yet. Nope, not yet. So, so this experimental stuff was like, guys, this is blowing my mind right now. So, yeah, granted, also everybody was high at the time, so it's fine. Uh, so, yeah. Let's, let's uh, keep, uh, keep it going. So... so Sorry. No, after you. So the beginning of the movie, we open, you know, we're in the middle of the desert and Jim's family happens to drive across a car accident where I think it was a a family of Native Americans. I don't know if they got hit by like a truck. Um, It was something like a, it looked like a car accident. Like their car was going and it looked like the, like a. Like tire a, blew out and they flipped their truck over or something i don't know because like there was a couple of cars there so it looked almost like a moving van hit them but 
But we see that one of the, the elders in the family has passed, and this kind of sticks with Jim. And in my research, I mean, I don't know if it's true, you know, or not. Uh, J- Jim's dad said that that never happened. Yeah, <laughs> so... I, I heard the same thing. I heard that was a, a thing Jim Morrison said in an interview. Yeah. And then when, and Jim Morrison also like just never talked to his family after he got famous. And then when yeah. they f- somebody found his family and asked him about it, he they were like, that's bullshit. Yeah, because I mean, in an never interview happened. in the movie and, you know, in real life from what I've read, he, he said, you know, my parents, you know, died in, or my family died in a car accident and they do, you know, investigative work and like, no, they're still alive. Yeah. And he was super pissed. Like, you know, don't be checking out, you know, my, my personal stuff. Jim Morrison is like, no guys, come on. I'm trying to be the cool, like art house, you know, voice of a generation, man. I don't want people to know that I had braces as a kid. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, but but I thought in the film it was kind of cool that they worked that angle in mm-hmm. because I like that, you know, he kind of takes on the spirit of this person that passes and it feels like he's destined to become who he is and death is kind of like constantly walking along with him through these major milestones in his life until finally it takes him in the end. Yeah, I, that's a big theme in in the movie is um death and it's also a big theme in you know jim morrison yeah uh, the guy was obsessed with that um right he's he was obsessed with a lot of stuff you know but yeah he was but death is a huge like theme in the film and i mean you know from him hanging out behind and yeah yeah from I mean, from him hanging outside of you know hotel windows asking pam you know would you die for me i would die for anybody I mean, to him even, you know, being on the ledge of the Chateau Marmont where he was ready to jump off the building and they had to, you know, coerce him back in. So it's just, it's bizarre, but it is a thing where people are obsessed with death. Yeah. And, you know, kudos to them that they're not afraid of it because I know some people, it's like their worst fear but it's like Look, we always I'll get be there. honest, like if, if Jim Morrison was alive today, he would have been in like... He would have fifty one fifty, like that. He, I mean, a yeah. lot of crazy things have happened at that hotel. So, and he's a celebrity, so they would have kept it hush hush. Yeah, so Jim Morrison would have been a fifty one fifty because I don't know many celebrities who also had a whole bit in Florida where they would like whip their 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 junk out and then try and play matador with the audience. Have you heard about that story? Yeah, I, I have. Yes, yeah, no. Jim Morrison was a crazy person. Granted. Great musician. Crazy person. Great voice. Yeah. Uh, favorite door song, by the way. Or do you want to oh, save that for later? That, that's a hard question. Oh, I don't mind. Mine's easy. All right. What's yours? People are strange. Uh, how did I know you were going to say that? Because that song is awesome. Uh, okay. I mean, this is going to be difficult because I love a lot of their music. They're one of my favorite bands. So... Yeah. No, no wonder you picked this movie. Obviously. So cliche answer would be uh light my fire mm-hmm. and you know rough cut or a deep cut would be spanish caravan oh i can see spanish caravan i mean oh. it's a great song you know you start off flamenco and then you transition into kind of you know the weird experimental like 60s and you got the what kind of a piano does uh, Ray Manzarek play? It's like it's an a organ. Synth, it's a synthesizer. Yeah, so it's, or is it a synthesizer? It's probably a synthesizer. Like a, a synth organ or something. It, it's a, no, it's a, it's not an organ. It's an early like synthesizer, but I don't know the model number because I'm actually that kind of music nerd that wants to know model numbers of sixty synthesizers. I know. But whatever. I know, but but yeah, th- those would be some of my favorites apart from everything else. I gotcha. But yeah, so back into the movie because. Boo, why don't you just, like, shoot through the plot real quick so we can get a little caught up and just keep going? All right, so... Because I'm lost. We start off with a young Jim Morrison who witnesses this accident, and it's profound enough that it sticks with him. We transition to Jim Morrison hitchhiking his way to California, where he eventually goes to UCLA to study film, and from there he kind of quits film because it's just they're not understanding him. Which leads him to meeting up again with Ray Manzarek to start a band because he's writing poetry, and he meets, uh, you know, his not really wife, but basically his p- 
partner? Part, life partner, because they were together over seven years, so... There's a whole thing about that that I'll get yeah. to later. That is so, the question of common law marriage at that point. Yeah, so, you know, he meets Pamela Corson, and she, you know, sticks with him, and this is when the band really starts to take off, and we just see them, you know, starting from where they're performing just about everywhere in the Sunset Strip to actually getting a record deal with Elektra Records, and just seeing what it's kind of like going from playing at, you know, clubs to becoming uh, a massive rock band to seeing... The, the things that go with being a rock star. And ultimately, we end up at the very end where he passes on, and yeah, of it's a sad. Yeah. heroin overdose? Yeah, a, I think a heroin overdose that led him in cardiac arrest, because I think that's like the official... Oh, was that, was that what happened? Yeah. yeah it, he, had a, he had a heart attack? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, um, and... It's really hard to, like, describe the movie because it doesn't really follow a very... It's not a lot of plot going on. It's more, hey... It's really an experience. Yeah, we're just following Jim Morrison, kind of... And we're filtering what's going on through his lens of the world. Yeah. And all these, basically, these beats of his life for this however long period of time... And then it just kind of ends. Yeah, because I mean, which you know, to to put on my my little art cap, you know, because I, <gasps> you're I know... gonna put on your pretentious cap today. I am. I'm gonna you know put it on real quick. This could be a thing for him because he dies at the end of the movie, so this could be him watching his life flash before his eyes as he's passing. So it could be like these little blips on the map of you know. Hey, this is me coming to California for the first time. This is the first time I meet Pam. It this would, is our first, you know, huge concert. It would make sense. Like it's, um, it does have that kind of kind of feeling about it. It also has kind of a weird dreamy quality about yeah. it, where I could definitely see that interpretation of the movie, where we're not actually watching the movie unfold in real time. We're yeah. watching it in retrospect. In retrospect, what what would Jim Morrison think were the best moments of his life? I mean, you know, don't know the guy. I would assume a lot of this movie, which is factual, would be his retrospects. You know, meeting his life partner, Pam, even though cheated on her a lot. <laughs> a lot. Like that, yeah, the term sailor has a girl in every port. Yeah, Jim Morrison yeah. had a girl in every bathroom stall from here to Paris. Yeah, um, the starting of his band, his career... You know, these are huge things, you know, making a, a connection with his bandmates. Because he only made it to 27, so it's not like he got that much further and, you know, really lived out his life. You know, in 27 years, he did a lot. He experienced a lot. Not even 27 years. In six years, seven, six or seven years, he experienced, like, basically reaching the height of stardom you could possibly get basically well, having everything you could possibly want and then well what, what i meant from that is his father was in the navy i believe yeah so they did move and travel a lot so that's what i'm kind of saying you know he did get to travel a bit and you know live in different places so it's not like you know he was coming just from florida after you know you know turning 18 and coming to california it's you know he's Traveled a little bit, and yeah. you get here, you do a couple years of schooling, then start the band and travel the world and experience things, you know, buy a, a house in Paris, and, you know, I mean, that sounds pretty awesome, but yeah. would not want to join the 27 Club. Oh, God, no. Again, I have another another weird thought thing that's going through my head. This was going through my head as I was watching the movie, and I know it, it's super dumb, and it makes no sense, but it... It came up, and I was like, what job would Jim Morrison have been able to get if he didn't start the band? Because, hmm. like, even at the beginning of the movie, before he gets deep into into drinking and drugging and all that other stuff, but you can tell, like, he, he had a real drinking problem. Yeah. And that's, like, something that, you know, fame doesn't, doesn't bring. It's just fame just lets you buy more booze to keep the party going. The drugs he was already do he was already a pretty frequent drug user so, and he's already weird. I just I'm trying to figure out like, could you imagine Jim Morrison? He doesn't get famous and he's just pumping gas at a at a gas station for like thirty years. 
No. Can't picture that. I mean, I could picture him maybe being a writer. Maybe. You know, either, you know, a poet or, like, actually writing books. That probably would have had to have been what would have ended up to him. That would probably have been the other best-case scenario, because he did release a poetry book, and that's brought up in the movie. Yeah. And the reason I bring this up, because it segues us into the next point of of the movie, where he meets the um, reporter that he starts an affair with. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That's a, a weird sequence of when they first meet to them hooking up and she's into uh witchcraft and there's blood drinking and there's some weird like stuff going on yeah that woman is weird i'm assuming she's a real person right she was a real person and i guess in whatever culture that she was part of i read it i just didn't write it down uh they had like a like a ritual kind of wedding and oh, yeah, I saw that was in the movie. That was in the movie. Yeah, so they have this wedding, and, you know, once Jim started having legal problems towards the end of the movie and in his life, uh, she became pregnant, and she was saying, you know, you need to take care of, you know, me and, you know, your child, and he was just kind of like, we're not really married. I know we had that, you know, kind of, like, ritual thing, but it wasn't real. You know, I was just kind of there to be there. Jim is like... Honey, I was high at the time. Yeah, that's that's probably what it was. He was drunk or he was high, and it was just kind of like, oh, that really happened? Uh. Yep, yep, that sounds like a, a solid answer. Solid answer. So, yeah, so that whole sequence with her was kind of bizarre. Mm. Yeah, also, that, that does remind me, yeah, Jim Morrison had a kid. I'm surprised there's not many children of Jim Morrison hanging around. I mean, I'm surprised about that, too, but I think she had a... A miscarriage? Because mm. in the movie he wants to, you know, her to have an abortion and she is very against it. And he goes, look, you know, I would go with you to it, but to raise a child, I'm not going to be there. Yeah. J- Jim was already like, honey, I, like, I know I'm going to be dead at 30. Like, I ain't going to be there for this kid. Mm-mm. That, I, wa- I wonder if that was an actual thought that ran through his mind. Like, he knew... He, he wasn't going to be long for this world. Like, he was very aware that he was not leading a a long life. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the feeling that you get throughout the movie. Like, uh, when him and the band members and Pam, they go out to the desert and they try peyote for the first time. Yeah. I mean... Yikes. Yeah, I mean, you feel that scene. You're not watching, you're like, oh, like, whoa. Like, whoa. Whoa. Did they, like, filter some of that, you know, during the screening? I'm like, whoa, I'm feeling something. But Jim breaks off from the group, and he starts, you know, just, you know, going through these caverns that are there, and he sees the shaman, and we see death in there, too, and it's just kind of like, he's not afraid of it. He He's almost excited to see it. So, yeah, I think, you know, he kind of had that idea, death is near. So, you know, I really can't commit. I mean, granted, there's also a sequence in this movie where he throws Pam into a closet and lights it on fire, so... Because she wasn't cheating on him. She was trying heroin? Was that what it was? With the with the weird um, French dude or no, Italian dude? No, she was cheating on him. Was that... Okay. Because, remember, we have... Uh, I think they're in the UK, and they're in a hotel, and she's looking for him, and the, the elevator doors pop up, and he's... Oh, yeah, and he's getting getting yeah, a little... Yeah. yeah, he's getting a little, and he's just kind of laughing, and she's upset, so in return, I think she cheats with... I think he was either French or... I can't remember. Yeah. There's a lot of just... The character web in this movie is all over the place. There's so many just people you meet. Yeah. Like, you meet Andy Warhol, for God's sakes. Yeah, we do meet Andy Warhol. Played by Crispin Glover. You love Crispin Glover. Uh, he's good. So... I do have a fact for that, mm-hmm. which was kind of, I never heard of it. I thought it was kind of cool when I found it out. So apparently a couple, I think maybe like four or five years before he played Andy Warhol, mm-hmm. he actually met Andy Warhol at Madonna and um, Sean Penn's wedding. Oh yeah. I saw, I saw the same factoid. Yeah. And I was just like, that's pretty cool. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's cool enough that you're meeting Andy Warhol. But then, you know, to go on from meeting Andy Warhol to portraying him in a movie. That's a, that's got to be, like, surreal, right? Very surreal. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, I haven't seen, like, too many interviews with Andy Warhol, but oh. he, he kind of... Andy Warhol, okay, was a weird, weird duck. 
I've I've seen uh, interviews. I've seen seen some of his movies. Mm-hmm. You ever seen Andy Warhol eats a cheeseburger? No. It's fascinating, but yeah, like that guy is he was out there. Hmm. Apparently, when most people like met and talked to him, he was a generally like a oddly normal conversation. Mm-hmm. But he but it's like he would have very deep conversations about Campbell's chicken noodle soup. And like like phones and stuff, and it's really weird. And one of From the phones, it, one of the phones is featured in the movie when he hands Jim the. It's like a golden phone, and he's like, he goes here so you could talk to God. And Jim takes the phone from the party and he gives it to a homeless man, and it's just kind of like, well, there goes the phone. Yeah, yeah. There's, again, there's more weird stuff because if we wanted to go beat for beat what happens in this movie, we'd be here all day. Oh yeah, there's so much that happens in this movie. Uh, I mean, so many just random scenes. There's so many things that happen that are not, that are not really like relative to the plot. They're just developing the character more. That's a lot of what this movie is. It just feels like the, um, highlights of Jim Morrison's life. And there's not really a lot of plot there. Like you can say it's like, Oh, the rise and fall of Jim Morrison. But like, it's another thing where. It kind of works because life doesn't really have a plot to it. It's no. just things that happened. And I think that's kind of what Oliver Stone is going for yeah. here. And it's kind of in a haze that we're experiencing this, where it's not really too clear. We're going through moments where he's under the influence, like when he's on the car in front of the Whiskey A Go-Go and he's, you know, giving the speech about he how he's the Lizard King. and He can do anything. He can do anything. And the sky opens up and there's stars. So it's like... You feel like you're going on this ride with him. It's pretty good. But, you know, we I brought up Whiskey A Go-Go. In the movie, he does use uh, Val Kilmer's vocals for the songs. Yeah, um, I heard it was a thing where Val Kilmer was so good at mimicking um, Jim Morrison's voice that they would splice them in. So mm-hmm. during the close-ups, it'd be Val Kilmer's yeah. voice and the long shots would be Jim Morrison's voice. And they would, like melt they wouldn't like oh they'd overlap the whole thing so they meld together it'd be like oh they would just like straight cut to yeah. jim morrison's voice yeah and i'm like that's insane like yeah. rami malik couldn't do that for freddie mercury no like, it, well i mean sh- it took four you know how many voices it took for rami malik to sound like freddie mercury it took four right yeah so it took original recordings of freddie mercury's yeah. performance rami malik's voice um i believe it was two Mark, uh, Mark something. I watch his videos all the time. And I mean, he, he sounds like Freddie Mercury. Yeah, it's scary. I, how... Yeah, it's like, I think it's, yeah, him exactly. Because yeah. I think he's, he's not a Freddie Mercury like impersonator. He's like a, vo- he's like a, vo- a voice artist. Yeah. Yeah, he's a voice artist he's that does amazing. a damn good Freddie Mercury. Yeah. And I think it was another guy that they, that they had mm-hmm. in basically just to like do the smoothing out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, but Val Kilmer was just like, nah, I got this. And he almost lost the role because when he was auditioning for it, he sent Oliver Stone a tape of him singing uh, songs from the doors and he really didn't like it. And it wasn't until, you know, he had to like sing on set that it was kind of like, oh crap, you really do sound like him. Yeah. And I guess they recorded him singing some of the songs and they played it for some of the members of the doors. And they couldn't tell the difference. No, they thought it was Jim and they had to tell him like, no man, this is Val Kilmer that's singing. And they're just like, what the yeah. So I mean, uh, another another thing. I, you know, like out of all the people in this movie, and I'm gonna be real with you. Most of the performances in the movie are are fine. They're good, you know. Yeah. But yeah, no, Val Kilmer is the best part about this movie. Oh, you yeah. you would watch this movie just to watch Val Kilmer play Jim Morrison. I that's do. That's why yeah. you would. Yeah, that's the only reason you would watch this movie. Not saying it's not entertaining, but like. If you're gonna rewatch this movie, or if you're gonna look for a movie where you just want a, an amazing performance, this is a very good movie. Yeah. Did he win an Oscar or anything for this, or any think, awards? I don't think he did. It's like which is he, fascinating. He deserved one, many. Yeah. He did such a good job. It's like, why not? You know, reward this man who really became another person. It's not you know I'm showing up nine to five to shoot this. It's like, no, he lived it. Yeah, granted, it, that all depends on if Daniel Day Lewis was in that award season. That man, oh, yeah, that then, man cleans up yeah. Oscar season. But yeah, that's that's kind of a a thing here. 
Let's see. So before they, you know, had Val Kilmer become Jim Morrison, I guess they offered Ian Ashby of the cult the role of Jim. I heard about that, yeah. And I'm yeah. like, he's talented, but it's like, no, it, it has to be Val Kilmer. Well, apparently, what is it? I think Michael Madsen also tried to, mm-hmm. to nail the part. I think, um, oh, the the guy who, I'm going to keep forgetting his name, which sucks because I actually love Twin Peaks. Um uh, what's Kyle McLaughlin. Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah, he auditioned he, for he it. Did. Uh, apparently, like basically any leading man between the age of like twenty to like thirty auditioned to play Jim Morrison. And it's like you know, seeing Michael Madsen who plays Tom Baker in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you know. Also, he, Mr. Blonde from Reservoir Dogs. Him too. It's like you know, I really can't see him being Jim. It's like. Well, it's the thing where none of them really look like jim morrison but val kilmer looks yeah. like jim morrison like if you see a picture of val kilmer and then a picture of jim morrison like they're they look a lot alike yeah like like it could be brothers yeah and i guess there was an instance when you know he was trying to become jim that whole year of dressing up like him he was hanging out i think in one of the bars that jim used to hang out in and someone that was friends with jim came into the bar and saw val kilmer at like a payphone or something I don't and, remember Jim being that tall. Yeah. And it was just like, that would have to be a scary moment. It's like, you haven't seen your friend in at least, you know, 20 years. And, you know, it's like, oh, there, there's Jim over there. I forgot how tall he is. And it's like, oh, wait. That no, motherfucker that's not him. Dead. Yeah. That, that, that is like one of those weird, surreal moments when an actor or somebody just really nails a performance so well. And they also just have the natural, like, look. Yeah. That you you just can't pass that up. I there's very very few actors, and granted, at all that I can think of, where this person looks so much like another person they could play them, yeah. and they also embody the characteristics so well. I can't think of anybody. Mm-mm. I mean, he was truly made for this role. Yeah, I I hate using the term. This guy was born for this part, but this guy was born for this he part. He was. Yeah. Well, I'll take a thousand Batman Forevers for, for, <laughs> for the, for one, the doors. Yes. But yeah, so we, we got a little bit of gushing about, um, the performance. We got a little bit about Jim Morrison as a real person. We got a little bit about the movie. What, what else do we got? So I was talking about the cave scene earlier mm-hmm. and, uh, it was shot here in California at the East Mojave Preserve. Mm-hmm. So I guess, you know how there's like, you know, etchings in the cave. I, I had a feeling you might know yes, this. Yes, I love that. So the the creative team, they were the ones to, you know, paint the the, the etchings and the, the drawings in the cave. And I guess once, you know, production wrapped up, they went to clean them off and they wouldn't come out of the cave. <laughs> yeah, so apparently the um, ink or solvent that they used was permanent and... Yeah, that that is just embedded in the rock. Yeah, so Oliver Stone ended they, up getting fined, and there's never, uh, there's not going to be any shooting there ever again. It's been banned. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it's a cool sequence. It, it adds to the movie, but it's just like that sucks. Uh, yeah, it's well, like those caves have been there for who knows how long. Well, I'm gonna go with like hundreds, if not thousands, of years. Yeah, and then for a movie, you know, you paint on the walls and that's it. <laughs> Damn you, Oliver Stone. But yeah. So I, I thought that was a, a funny kind of, funny, not funny kind of fact. Uh, we were talking about Michael Madsen, who plays Tom Baker in the movie. Mm-hmm. That role was actually supposed to be for Billy Idol. Yeah, but didn't Bill, that was when Billy Idol had his uh, motorcycle accident, he right? He did. I think he broke both of his legs or he broke one of his legs. So, he got messed up. Like yeah. I think they said he wouldn't. He might not be able to walk again. Yeah. So he had to take on a smaller role of cat. So it kind of would have been interesting to see if he had a what it would have been like if he had a bigger role in the movie. Mm-hmm. But still memorable because it's Billy Idol. Yeah, and and it's also Billy Idol not just playing Billy Idol, which is which is weird because I remember Billy Idol from The Wedding Singer. Yeah. Where he's just Billy Idol. He's just Billy Idol. <laughs> it's weird. Good movie. Uh, we should watch The Wedding Singer. We should. That should have just been, that should have been one of your Valentine's Day picks instead of Dracula. Come on. Oh no no no! I'm I'm saving The Wedding Singer. Ah, gotcha. That that's the sneak in one. 
Definitely. So yeah, so Billy Idol would have had a, a bigger role, and in the movie when you do see him, he's either on his crutches, but most of the time he's sitting down. Yeah. So it's cool that he was still able to make it into the movie and, you know, not have to, like, sub out and be like, man, I, I really missed an opportunity there. Let's be honest, like, you you, you would you would do a lot to still be in that movie. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. You got Oliver Stone, which is a huge director. Val Kilmer's leading it, which is, a, he was a huge star at the time. Yeah. It's a great career opportunity, and it turned out to be a very good movie. Yeah. So, I mean, some of the other things that happened in the movie, uh, during one of the stage diving scenes, Val Kilmer broke his arm. The the stunt double that's supposed to catch him. Yeah, they missed. They missed, and he ended up breaking his arm really bad. And they said in one of his later movies, you see, like, his elbow has, like, a protuberance on it. Mm-hmm. So that's the one that... That took that took the... the yeah. So the elbow like, drop from the sky. So it's like, if he took any anything away from this film, it's like, you, you've got that thing on you for the rest of your life. But again, mm-hmm. that's an experience to be in this movie. Uh, not only is the doors a thing in this movie, they're, you know, the, the main focus, a lot of, uh, landmarks are focuses in this movie too. Yeah. Just, well, a lot of buildings, a lot of places, theaters, concert halls, um, whiskey, a go-go is a big one, old clubs. Um, cause they're trying to encapsulate that late sixties vibe of Southern California. And then like where the world was. And then Europe and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Because they're trying to take a snapshot that's, you know, close to, like, a Jim Morrison's life at the time. That, yeah. It's the, it's the problem with biopics like these. You try very, very hard to tell a very true story about a real person, but you don't I mean, have a time machine. You don't have a time machine, but with big cities like L.A., you're able to just kind of, you know, throw in some cars from the period people dressed in period clothing and it works like because la is not a city that changes very much no i mean we are very sure to make sure that buildings become landmarks and we keep them and we protect them it's also hard to build anything over anything here i mean unless other than it's a freeway or a condo because condos go up like nobody's business they're coming they're coming for you city hall the condos are coming (sighs) so uh, you know, some of the f- locations that were in the movie that are still functional may not be open for, you know, COVID reasons, but we still have them. Whiskey A Go-Go, uh, Barney's Beanery, which is the bar that we see Jim go to a lot. Uh, we also have Santa Monica Pier, Venice Beach, where, you know, Jim hangs out. Mm-hmm. We have Jim and Pam's house, which is in Laurel Canyon. I'm going to tell anybody, do not go to Jim and Pam's house. Real people live there. They do live don't there. Don't go there. The guy will answer the door with a shotgun. Well, we don't know that, but people do live there, so be mindful. There's a plaque that says Love Street, so you can take pictures with the plaque. Uh, there's also the Morrison Hotel from one of their albums where they just kind of, you know, ran into the building and Henry Diltz shot that shot of them. Mm-hmm. So that's still around in downtown LA, and we have the Alta Sienica Motel that's on in west hollywood that's where he would kind of like escape and go stay there so that's basically where he lived when he was in la yeah so if you want to go there the jim morrison room's still there it some people claim it's haunted but i know a lot of people go there and they just you know it's not haunted they drink and get high and you You don't say you know so it's an experience and of course you know the chateau marmont we still have that you know, a lot of these places are closed right now, but if you're in the L.A. area and want to go take pictures, they're there. And but, I, uh, but I think we should go to Barney's Beanery, because that's open for outdoor dining. I'm going to go get smashed. Uh, It'll be fun. But I think that kind of wraps it up. I mean, we, we went through basically everything. We listed off places you could go in the movie. Wait, that's, usually, that's usually a sign we ran out of stuff to talk about. <laughs> I mean, there's things we could talk about, but we're fans of the doors. We could gush about them for hours. Oh, you said you were going to talk about um, an American prayer. What's that's being recorded throughout the the movie? No, no, American prayer. I. That, that's... Oh, that's the the thing that was going on where we see Fat Jim Morrison drinking and talking like randomly throughout the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I had no idea what that was going on about. Yeah, that, that's a, a, an album he recorded, and it was just him speaking. 
And it wasn't until like four, three or four years after he died that the band came in and they did the, the music beneath his vocals. So it was kind of cool that they came back together to finish up the album. It's a good album. So I, I'd suggest it. But speaking of, you know, Fat Jim Morrison. Yes, good old Fat Jim Morrison. Almost as good as Fat Elvis. It's true. The film was shot out of sequence, so he kind of had to lose weight or they kind of had to dress him in a way where you couldn't see, you know, where he packed on the pounds. Yeah, that was the thing because um, Val Kilmer had to pack on a certain amount of weights and he had to ensure that it the weight gained a very a very specific area of his like anatomy yeah so that he could appear skinny at certain angles and pair appear fat in another yeah yeah that was it was a lot of work being method yeah but it's just sad at the end of the movie where they're at the birthday party and he falls asleep and wakes up and it's kind of like he knows that death is soon he's kind of got this thing where it's like i'm happy i'm i'm at peace where you know, he's kind of been a little crazy and off the page the, most of the movie. But it's kind of like, all right, I'm 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 ready. And ultimately, he goes and Pam, you know, she finds him and asks, you know, what is, was it as good as you expected? And he's just gone. But it's creepy when Death comes out of the bathroom and she sees Death standing in the hallway. It scares me every time. You're a scaredy cat. And that's the end of the podcast. Please, I had I'm to get the, the last cat, word in. Like always. Last word. So yeah. Um, so. That was The Doors. What do you think of the movie? Good movie? I liked it. Um, It's one of those things where I've, before this, I've only seen it like one other time. Mm-hmm. And I, same thing I thought then, I think now, man, Val Kilmer's so good in this movie. Yes. The rest of the movie is just a vehicle for this performance for me. Yeah. I, the, the rest of it is just like, okay. It, but like the performance like elevates it. And that's mm-hmm. kind of my feeling about it. Um, but granted, like, you know, still overall a good movie. Um, your thoughts. I mean, I love this movie facts or not. I, I enjoy it. I, anytime that I get to listen to the doors music and being envious that the cast, when they were making this movie, they constantly played the Doors music on set. So mm. it's, you know, it's a fun watch for me. Val Kilmer obviously wins. Uh, I mean, here's a spoiler for anybody in the audience who didn't know. When it's one of Boo's favorite movies, there's many more facts that she has written down in her little notebook. I mean, maybe you, you go... sh- maybe you should get a notebook and write more facts in your little notebook. Eh, you know, that's fine. I just like to talk about the movie. And this is a good movie. It is, and if you haven't seen it, we highly recommend watching it. Ah, uh, yeah, I would re- highly recommend watching it. Um, where did you watch it? For for uh, the episode, for the yeah, episode, for somebody's uh, looking for it. I rented it off of Amazon, so but usually you're able to find it off a streaming device. Just just our timing look right at now, it in. yeah. Just for our timing right now, I wasn't able to find it for free. I know you're pretty good about finding. You know, free copies of things to watch, so... So you go to the internet, you Google, watch The Doors, streaming for free, and then go to an illicit website that uh, will be the third one down from the search bar. That one. It'll it'll say free there. Don't worry about it. Also, use your ad blocker. Don't click links. That's how you watch every movie free. <laughs> or, you know, rent it. Or rent it. So your computer doesn't blow up or... I don't know. It happens. Yeah. So, yeah, boo. So, next week, what are we watching? Well, next week, I know we're not actually at St. Patrick's Day, but we're about, we're getting close. Getting close. Maybe we should bookend St. Patrick's Day like we bookend um, Valentine's Day. I think we will. And if I'm going to start this, I'm going to start going back to my Irish heritage. We're going to go with a film that's very near and dear to my heart. We're going to be watching The Boondock Saints. It's going to be so good. The Boondock Saints is a great movie. You're going to love it. I know you've never seen it. I have also, never seen it before. It's so good. It's got Willem Dafoe. It's got Norman Reedus. It's got Billy Connolly. It's so good. I mean, hell yeah, Norman Reedus. But Willem Dafoe. That guy's crazy. Yeah, William Dafoe too. But oh. I mean, come on, Norman Reedus. Watch The Lighthouse. But yeah, guys, uh, next week we're going to be watching The Boondock Saints. It's going to be very cool. I love that movie. It is a great flick. Uh, really gets you in the mood for the you know you know the season 
of, you know, my people, the Irish. It's going to be great. And also you can watch The Departed afterwards. You can listen to me talk about The Departed over on my other podcast, the Double Feature Podcast, where you can find on In The Frame, the YouTube channel, or anywhere you can find our podcast. Boo, why don't you tell people where they can find our podcast? Well, if you want to find us on a different platform than what you're listening to right now, you can find us on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, just about any platform that plays podcasts. Yeah. And what about, you have at least one more, two more podcasts that you're on? Well, there's a double feature, and there's also Too Obscure for TV, which should be coming out with new episodes anytime now. Because we do release those episodes bi-weekly and double features every week. But yeah, you can find those anywhere where your podcast can be found. And if you want to follow us on social media, we are on Instagram and Facebook at the Film Club Podcast. Yeah, I think that's about it. We'll see you next week at the Film Club. Peace. Peace.